welcome to this episode of the Talking Taboo podcast. I'm your host Harshita Tripathi and in this episode we'll talk about taboos concerning female sexuality. We have with us a very special guest today, Pamela Joy, who left her 15 years of career at Apple and Facebook to start her own initiative called Down to There, through which she's breaking myths around sex and relationships. She's a pioneer of female sexuality and is passionate about raising awareness on female sexual health. Interestingly, 40% of her clients are Indians and in this episode we talked to her about female sexuality. Thank you so much Pam for agreeing to do an episode with us. Absolutely, I'm excited to chat. Yes, uh, same here. So, uh, so let's get started with our conversation. Uh, Pam, talking about uh, stigmas around female sexuality, we we see a lot of men comfortably discuss their sexual desires, while a very very less number of women do the same. And I think it's obviously due to the instilled shame. And in fact, there's a general notion and myth that women don't enjoy sex, or they they don't masturbate, or or they don't watch porn. And these these myths and taboos have been existing for so long, even when half of the population comprises of women. Uh, so, so Pam, what do you think? Why is why does such a situation still exist, and why is there so much silence on female sexuality? Uh, such a good question. You, you know, you definitely pointed out like that's just not something that most women are comfortable talking about and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and they, they haven't learned a lot about it. <laughs> of course, that increases our discomfort. And, and I think it has a lot to do um, with the fact that we just don't get very positive messages about sexuality when we're growing up. Um, you know, I, I, like you mentioned, I have a lot of Indian clients, even though I'm living here in the United States. And um, what I hear from my female Indian clients is actually not much different than what I hear from my female clients in all parts of the world, which is that, you know, when they were younger, either their parents didn't talk about it with them or they talked about it in a way where they told um, their daughters that it was dangerous, right, that they could get a disease or they could get pregnant, um, certainly most women around the world have had some sort of experience with, um, you know, some sort of trauma around their bodies, right? Whether their body was taken advantage of, or, you know, when I was in like third grade, I was shopping in a store and I looked down the aisle and there was a guy touching himself while looking at me. And, you know, whether it's some of these more extreme experiences or something as, you know, simple as just your parents not talking to you about it, um, all of those things make it seem like something that is maybe not for us, like not for a woman, you know, it's maybe for our male partners. And, Hmm. you know, our male partners will know what to do. um, Or, you know, it should just magically happen when we're ready for it. But after all of those messages, and all of those experiences, I find for most women, it's pretty difficult. Hmm. Right, right. I mean, not getting a positive message when we are going growing up is actually a very, actually a major role in suppressing female sexuality. In fact, uh, 
sex is something that seems to be a prerogative that only men have. I mean, if you look at it, while men can have sex for recreation, women can have it only for procreation. So, uh, Pam, uh, now moving on to talking about your own experiences, how did this journey start for you? What has been your experience like in finding down to there? I mean, you made it such a big shift from tech industry to talking about sex. I mean, not everyone does that, right? It's such a big transformation in terms of career change. Right. And I, it's so funny. I, I want to jump into that. And I also just want to pause on what you were sharing about men and their um, readiness for sex. Because mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I didn't know when I started my journey, which I'll talk about in a second. But I do think it's important for listeners of this podcast to know the reality is men's bodies are also not always ready for sex. (laughs) Um, And we certainly get that message, right? Mm -hmm. That men are always ready. And then I think when they encounter, when either men encounter a situation where they're like, I don't know if I want sex right now, or women are with someone who you know, is not always ready for sex, it can be really confusing. And it can be really, um, like the man can feel a lot of shame for that, or the woman can feel a lot of anger around that. And so I just also just at the top of the show, just want to say that um, this can actually be a difficult topic for both women and men. And I didn't know that when I started my journey. So I just wanted to like plant that seed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, you know, hop into to my story. So, um, yeah, so for me, what this looked like is um, I, you know, all the things I just talked about, all the messages, you know, I also got some messages from church, right? Don't have sex until you're married. Um, Masturbation is a sin. Um, So I got some of those messages when I was younger. And then when I started dating in college, Um, I, you know, met this guy and I liked him and we started hanging out more and more and, um, we eventually ended up getting married. And, um, what I discovered over the course of my relationship with him, we were together for 20 years is that, um, we had this, what I called at the time, like a desire discrepancy or like low libido or no desire, right. Where he would want sex. And mm-hmm. I just was like, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, like, like you were talking about, it was for him. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it when I had it, but it wasn't something I like craved from within. And that caused a lot of problems for us. You know, he, he would, he would try to initiate sex and I'd be like, no, I'm tired. No, this, you know, all these things. And um, eventually uh, about 15 years in, we went and saw what is called a sex and relationship coach. Um, I didn't even know something like this existed. There's all sorts of wonderful people in, in this space that can help you with your sexuality. There's sex therapists and sex coaches and sex educators. And I didn't know about those, but we found her and, Mm -hmm. um, and she ended up teaching me so many things that I wish I had learned when I was younger. Um, So much to the point that I actually ended up, I think, you know, I ended up switching careers. I left my tech career and I switched into a career as a sex and relationship coach because 
I just, as I was learning these things, I thought, oh my gosh, (laughs) the women (laughs) of the world and the men too, but the women of the world need to know these things. Wow. That's actually very interesting. In fact, I'm sure it's actually quite relatable for all of us as a lot of us face similar problems when it comes to our sexual desires. I mean, wow, you had such a transformational shift in terms of your career from tech to this. So, uh, Pam, how do we go about with educating women? I mean, there are basic things as where our body parts are and even at ages where boys are exploring so much about their own bodies. A lot of us women don't even know where our vaginas are until until maybe our first sexual encounter. So how do we go about with creating more awareness about one's own body? Such a good question. And um, really, especially in my work with Indian women, um, this is one of the most important steps, right? If we don't Mm -hmm. know what we're working with or how it works or what it looks like or what the parts are, um, it's really hard to um, feel comfortable. Um, So, you know, the first thing is, so of course we can get into, you know, like the anatomy and where you go and how you learn about that. But I think very, very simply, um, it can be really important to do two things with your, with your genitals. Like if you're a woman, um, I think these two things can be really powerful because we do get Mm -hmm. kind of messages that, um, because the messages are so negative that we get, I think a lot of women hold a negative relationship with that part of their body. And, um, and so, you know, the invitation is to like become, mm-hmm. have a positive relationship with that part of your body. And so there's two things that I invite women to do. One is to, and this is going to sound so funny, but I encourage them to have a conversation with their vagina and with their vulva. And I know that sounds so funny, but the reality is because all those messages shut that part of our body down, it's mm-hmm. almost like it's almost like she's at the bottom of a deep, dark well. And like if we wanted to have a conversation with her, we'd kind of be like, hello down there. Is anyone there? You know, um, and so I, I think it is important to be able to um, kind of talk with that part of yourself. Um, I think for me, it, it did look like that in the beginning when I kind of was reconnecting with that part of myself, with my vulva, with my vagina. There was kind of this like, the conversation looked like a lot of question marks. It's like, hello, are you there? What's going on? What do you want? <laughs> you know. Um, and as I got more connected and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm here. Like, I'm capable of pleasure. There's a lot of possibilities with me if you pay attention to me um, and treat me right. You know, and and I think now the conversation for me with that part of myself looks a little bit more flirtatious. Right. It's like, hey, girl, like, how's it going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I really it's not that that, quote, conversation needs to look any certain way. But if you're not connected, you know, you were talking about, you know, men, I think because men's body parts are outside their bodies, it is Mm -hmm. very easy for them to be connected to that part of their body, for that part of their body to tell them when they're turned on, when they're turned off, they can see easily what it looks like. Um, But for women, it's much harder because so much of our anatomy is internal. Um, I definitely encourage listeners of the show to Google what the 
clitoris anatomy looks like because we think that it looks like one thing, but you can actually look. And I don't know if you have show notes, but I can send you links for other places for women to go to learn about their anatomy. Um, and then mm-hmm. the other, the second part I think of this is not just having a conversation with that part of yourself, but actually taking a mirror and getting in some nice, comfortable place, some private place, and maybe some coconut oil um, so that, um, you know, it's not dry, but, um, and spreading your legs and taking a look at what you got going on down there. Um, Because everyone has different hairstyles and different colors and different shapes. And, you know, what, what you may or may not have seen on porn or anything else is maybe different than what you have. And, and I personally believe every woman is a beautiful flower down there and um, and taking a time to get to look and maybe touching if you're comfortable. You know, I think even just looking to start could be great, but touching with some, you know, coconut oil on your hands and really getting to know, like, oh, what does it feel like when I touch that part of myself, when I touch that part of myself? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's that's actually very interesting. I never thought about having a conversation like that with my own vagina. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to try that or <laughs> well, both, I think, both the things. Yeah, I think the world has really become focused on consent between, you know, two, two people who want to have sex as an external conversation between the two people. And when mm-hmm. I'm working with women... I really want them to feel empowered to first have that internal conversation, right? If someone asks you if you're hungry and you want something, you probably check, like, am I hungry? Do I want something, right? And so when it comes to being connected to the sexual side of yourself, um, being able to have that conversation within first allows you to then have the conversation externally. True, true. That's actually very insightful. I'm definitely going to try that. So, uh, Pam, as long as we're talking about therapy and your work, since uh, we've been mentioning this, uh, that your clients are Indians, 40%, especially 40% of your clients are Indians. So can you tell us how are Indian struggles or misconceptions around sex or experiences around sexuality different from women around the world in general? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I, you know, I'm in the Silicon Valley. We have a, a high uh, Indian population here. And mm. I, I think there's a lot of things that are similar, right? Just not getting good education and not knowing a lot. Um, one of the things that I do find is a little bit different in the Indian population, which I think is important to mention here, is what I see, at least in the clients that come to me, is that a lot of the women have been told by some sort of female relative that sex is painful. Um, And because they've been told this, their bodies kind of clench down and brace for sex and specifically for penetration, which of course makes penetration painful. (laughs) And so it's this, I find this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy around it. So I just wanna say like sex should not be painful. Um, hmm. If you are experiencing painful sex, there's something to be hmm. done about that. Sex should be an enjoyable, pleasurable experience. And so a lot of my female clients have struggled with um, what's called vaginismus, vulvodynia, 
these um, conditions of the of the vagina of the vulva um, where they are experiencing pain, different kinds of pain for different women. And so, um, you know, with with pain, it is kind of a twofold process that we want to work on. We really want to figure out um, the, you know, how their bodies can work, right, erotically, because a body that is working well erotically um, becomes soft, becomes open, and feels a lot of pleasure. And um, for those who are experiencing pain, they're kind of experiencing the opposite of that, right? Their body is very rigid. Mm-hmm. It is not pleasurable. Mm-hmm. It is painful. Um, and so we're kind of working on that. And sometimes um, I'll refer them to a physical therapist, a physiotherapist as well, um, to help them with the physical side of things. But also things that I work with them on, like having conversations and learning more to find what does bring them pleasure and how you follow what brings you pleasure instead of what you think is supposed to happen. You know, I think most, um, uh, you know, a lot of the Indian clients that I work with, sex has become really focused on penetration, right? A penis going in a vagina. Um, But that's, honestly, that's the, like you mentioned, that's the kind of uh, procreation part of it all, re- reproduction part of it all, right? It's the, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that often is very pleasurable to the man um, because that, you know, is, is a very good feeling for him. Um, but it's oftentimes not where it's at sexually for women. Um, most women um, get a lot more pleasure from external stimulation, um, sometimes external stimulation paired with internal stimulation. So like if we looked at like the population of women, about 80% of women um, really prefer external stimulation for maximum pleasure and about 20% of women um, are more into internal stimulation. So yeah, so I think that the pain and just the limited definition of sex are some of the more common differences that I see in the Indian population. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a prevalent uh... A prevalent myth that sex is very painful. Mm-hmm. So, and all the information regarding external stimulation and internal stimulation and the kind of pleasure we attain from it is is a very very important information that our listeners need to know. So, uh, Pam, talking about self awareness and sexuality and talking more about sexuality. So uh, how does it improve the quality of life? I mean, your experience has been so vast and life changing and you've counseled so many men and women in having better sexual relationships with their own self and their partners. How does it improve the quality of life in, you know, in our everyday day to day lifestyle? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's why, you know, I'll even like work with some individuals who are not in partnership because just being in a good relationship with your body, um, you know, the way the way that I uh, describe it, you know, just personally, right, is I think when Mm -hmm. I was when I was not connected to my sexuality and I didn't I wasn't so empowered around my body and the things that I wanted, um, you know, I think I was a little bit more of um, it's, it's funny, I was. I kind of describe it as being like a walking head. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, like I'm intelligent and I'm smart and I can do smart things in the world that my head thinks of, right? Um, but I would say my total enjoyment of life, including all the experiences of my body, 
Um, and so let's not even say the sexual part of my body, right? But just like, you know, the right now I'm sitting in a room where a fan is blowing and I'm really enjoying the sensation of the fan on my body, right? It feels really good to me. And I'm quite aware of that right now. Um, I'm aware of this soft blanket that's right next to me. And I would say before I spent time connecting to my vagina and my vulva, um, I was also not connected very well to the rest of my body either. My body was like a functional thing that walked me from here or there, lifted things, but it wasn't as much a source of pleasure. Whereas now I go through my days and, you know, the beautiful smell of my shampoo in the shower, right? The the feeling of the clothes on my body. I, you know, I, I, I have different things now because of my enjoyment of being not just a sexual person, but a sensual person. Um, you, you know, I'm sure everyone has experience, right? Their tea or their coffee and just like how wonderful that can be if you take a moment to smell it and to really taste it. And, and I would say that's for me, that is what has improved life is that I'm just a more whole person, a more present person. Definitely. I mean, uh, be, being a sexual and a sensual person gives you a wholesome experience. So, uh, Pam, before we end the session, what can our listeners do in their daily lives in order to accept and normalize female sexuality? I think the number one thing to do is to talk your girlfriends about sex, uh, which sounds like the craziest thing to do, but um, hey, it's free, so that's wonderful. And I also provide resources, like if you're scared how to get started with that, like you're not sure how to do that, um, you know, your, the listeners can email me. I've got, um, or maybe I can provide a link that you can put in the show notes that um, it basically has like four different conversations you could have with girlfriends um, to learn more. And it's also links and resources. Um, so I think, you know, all these myths that we've been taught, instead of just believing them, you can actually just check out what's true for your body and learn about what's true for your friends' bodies and um, learn more that way. Educate yourselves. Get comfortable talking about it. Um, I've actually, the reason why this is just my number one piece of advice is I, I did research on that here because when I was starting my journey, I started talking to my girlfriends about it and we all realized like how much more we learned about our bodies and how much more comfortable we felt talking about sex when we talked to each other. And then I actually did academic research to say, well, is it just my friend group or is it every woman when they do these conversations, right? And, and so what I found was when women get together and talk, their stress about sex goes down, their um, ability to access desire and arousal goes up. And what's really cool is if you can talk to your girlfriends about it, um, you mm. now have the skills to talk to future partners or maybe your existing partner about it. Also, you will eventually feel comfortable enough to, if you have kids, talk to your kids about it so that this, this problem that we have where kids get bad messages or negative messages can all be reversed um, for future generations. Yes, yes, right. I mean, I'm sure talking about these things with people around us will definitely help us in mainstreaming such conversations. And it will also help our listeners in knowing more about their own sexuality. 
So I, I, I sincerely hope our listeners took away something out of this episode today. And I also hope that we as a society start taking female sexuality as something that not only exists, but is important, is normal, and is something that should be accepted by all of us. Thank you so much, Pam, for joining us today. Absolutely. It was great to have this conversation. listening to this episode of the Talking Taboo podcast. If you like our idea and want to support it, do follow us on Instagram at WeTalkTaboo and visit our Facebook page at Talking Taboo. A simple share and support will go a long way in mainstreaming the conversations and breaking the taboos that we seek to fight. To stay up to date on the show, do follow us on the platform of your choice. We hope you liked this episode and see you in the next one.